Hey, it's time for Priority Pastor. Welcome back to Priority Pastor. This is Darren Ride. For the next four episodes, I've taken a message I recently preached on planning your year at the church I serve right now and broken it into four parts. This will differ from the training I did for pastors on the same topic because this is a church level a sermon, not just for pastors, where I lay out the biblical foundations for planning and then some practical applications. So here we go. Let's jump on in to part one of four, planning your year. This morning, Psalm 23. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leaves me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you're with me. You rod in your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Great psalm, psalm of comfort, psalm of calming, psalm of peace. A lady by the name of Marcia Hornick wrote what she calls the antithesis to Psalm 23. And it goes like this. The clock is my dictator, I shall not rest. It makes me lie down only when exhausted. It leads me to deep depression, it hounds my soul. It leads me in circles of frenzy for activity's sake. Even though I run frantically from task to task, I'll never get it done for my ideal is with me. Deadlines and my need for approval, they drive me. They demand performance from me beyond the limits of my schedule. They anoint my head with migraines. My in-basket overflows. Surely fatigue and time pressure shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the bonds of frustration forever. As you look ahead to 2020, what kind of year do you want? Do you want a Psalm 23 year? Or do you want an antithesis of Psalm 23? In fact, the first three weeks, what kind of year have you had? Has it been a Psalm 23 year? Or has it been more inclined towards that antithesis of Psalm 23? Today we're continuing our little series on on planning your year, on, on starting your year, actually. This one's on planning your year. Billy Graham, one of the questions he was asked near the end of his life was, what's your, your biggest surprise through, through, through it all, through these decades of ministry and living? What's the big surprise? He said, that's easy. The brevity of life. That's the big surprise. The brevity of life. Life is short. And the older you get, the shorter you understand and realize it is. You graduate from high school. You turn around twice. You're halfway through your working career. You turn around again. You're headed for retirement. Life moves fast. A couple of foundational passages this morning. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 to 17. It says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Talks about making the most of every opportunity. The phrase there means to redeem or to buy back the time. To capture your time and invest it in something worthwhile, something that matters. Make the most of every opportunity. Another important passage, Psalm 90, which is one of those great psalms of comfort, but right in the middle of the psalms of comfort, we read this. 
It says in Psalm 90, verse 9, All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. If only we knew the power of your anger. Your wrath is great as the fear that is your due. And then this, this kind of application. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days. So the question this morning is how do we do that? How do we number our days? How do we, how do we live with a right view of time and live wisely in light of the brevity of life? How do we, as it said in Ephesians 5, make the most of every opportunity, redeem the time, buy back our time? How do we, how do, we do that? How do we live a Psalm 23-year life versus that antithesis, that life of franticness? Now, I've been a student of time management and planning and all that kind of stuff for as long as I can remember. I think it started when I went to Bible school and got these syllabi, all these course summaries with all of the assignments, and it looked overwhelming. And I realized, I've got to figure out a system for getting this stuff done. And I remember laying it all out and taking all those assignments and putting them on the calendar on their due dates, and it was this overwhelming list of assignments, and just started picking away the first one due, and the next one due, and the next one due, and working my way through until by the middle of October, I was done all my assignments for my first semester of school. And I just spent the rest of the semester harassing people who were, you know, still studying and doing their work. And I realized there's some benefit to this planning thing, and it kind of spilled over into my, my work in life. Now, like some of you, uh, as a pastor, particularly in my regular pastoral ministry, I had one of those jobs that was never really done. There was always more to do. A lot of jobs are like, there's always more to do. There's always more to do than you can possibly do. And so the, ch- the challenge then becomes uh, prioritizing. What's the most important thing? There's a thousand things. What are the most important three or four or five? That's really the challenge. And so I developed my own little planning system and wrote about it and spoke about it. And what I discovered is that this whole planning thing is not about getting the most you can get done. That's, that's you know, productivity. A lot of people think it's about getting as much done as possible. No, it's about getting the right stuff done. With enough margin in your life that you're living a Psalm 23 life that you're not living in that place of franticness, that you're living in a place of peace and even a place of rest. Today what we're going to do is take a look at a couple of biblical foundations for redeeming our time, for numbering our days wisely, and then I want to give you some practical steps, some applications on how we can actually do that. So a couple of foundations. One of them is found in 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, this is written by the Apostle Paul. He was the, uh, the primary missionary in the early church, planted a lot of churches, had some, some people he was mentoring. Timothy was one of his protégés. The Apostle Paul is nearing the end of his life. He's kind of staring death in the face. He knows his time is short, and this is what he writes. 2 Timothy 4, verse 6. He said, I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. The time for my departure is near. He's talking about dying. He's not talking about going on a trip. He's in prison, I believe, at this point. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. And what we see in this little, this little snippet is this, this sense that he's, he's lived this life, and he's not so much looking back as looking forward. He's actually looking forward into eternity. He's got this, this eternal focus. And if you recall that DNA of a Christ follower, one of the traits of a follower of Jesus 
is being focused on eternity, being kind of almost distracted by eternity. And certainly the Apostle Paul was in that mode. He was distracted by eternity. A fellow by the name of Edward Bamfield, a sociologist at Harvard University, did some study on successful people. Now, I don't know how he defined successful. I'm sure the definition was, you know, very highly productive people who accomplished some significant public-level things in life. But he did this study and discovered that the most successful people had a longer time perspective than others. That is, they thought further ahead in their planning. They weren't just thinking of this week or this year or even next year. They were thinking of this decade. They were thinking of beyond. They were thinking often generationally, thinking down the line, very, very long term. The further ahead you think, the better your planning is going to be. How far ahead do you think? How far ahead do you plan? Here's a famous little summary of life. The first dot is your birth. The second dot is when you're done school. The third dot is when your children are done school. The fourth dot is when you retire. And the fifth dot is when you die. And the arrow is the rest of your existence in eternity. That's a snapshot of every one of ours' existence. The dots might be further or closer apart. There might be fewer or more of them, but there's not a lot of them. And the point from that really is that life in relation to eternity is very, very short and goes by like this. And then into eternity. The first foundation of planning your year, of wise planning, of redeeming your time, is to have that eternal perspective. To have the longest-term view that you can have. To use your time now in light of eternity. The longer your perspective, the more successful you'll be in what matters. One person put it this way, without a right view of eternity, we cannot know the real value of time. We've got to understand the reality of eternity to put time in its place and understand just how fleeting it is. It's like holding a handful of dry sand and it's just running through your fingers. That's time. And it just goes and you can't stop it and you can't stop it and you try to hang on to it and it gets away on you and the next thing you know, it's over. That's the nature of time. And so it's important in planning and thinking our lives that we have this eternal perspective. Another foundation is found in that passage I already looked at, Ephesians chapter 5. Thanks for listening. Appreciate you joining me. If you have any questions about this topic or want the entire audio in one piece, you are welcome to contact me, info at darrenride.com. That's info at D-A-R-E-N-W-R-I-D-E dot com. Take care, God bless, and press on.